You got no notes at all? I got you didn't, no you didn't notes. do anything? Nope. Jesus, Levi. I'm just, I'm carrying you all the fucking time on this show. No, actually, I did my research like a week ago because I hosted this film at a family dinner party or whatever. Yes. <laughs> yeah. A dinner party. A dinner party. And uh, I just kind of memorized all the facts. Really? That's not, that's not that hard. I really like this film, so it tends to be easy to remember stuff if you like it. I know I say this too much about the movies on here, but I've seen this an embarrassing number of times. I just want to mm-hmm. go on record. I know you have. With this film in particular. I'm proud of you for that. This this is one of those few times that I'm proud of you for that. <laughs> this, is, this is one of the few times, Jonathan, where I've, I've ever had any respect for you. Uh, that's not true, and you know that. Is it... Hold on. Real quick. Is it Adrian Barbeau? Is that oh, your yeah. name? Is that how you say it? Okay, good. Do we need batteries? I think we're solid. Okay, good. Well, excellent then. <laughs> now that our behind-the-scenes coverage is... And one of the reasons, of course, I have seen this so many times is because it has the lovely, the one-of-a-kind, the irreplaceable Miss Adrian Barbeau. Oh, I was going to say some of one of the other leading ladies, but yeah, okay. Okay, yeah, Jamie yeah. Lee Curtis is in there, too. Yeah, you know, oh, her mom, too, Janet Lee. You know, don't worry about that. You know, from Psycho... Oh, I, I never put that together. You really didn't? No. Oh, my God. I never put that That's together. That's embarrassing. Okay. Well, one of the reasons I like this film, of course, we're talking about The Fog from John Carpenter from 1980. The remake. Not the remake. Please, of God. all the films that did not need a remake. And I, I found that a lot of people confuse this film with The Mist. Stephen King movie? The yeah, The Fog and the Mist. They're like, oh, is that the one that takes place in a super, like a superstore or a super center or something? Do you no, have no, any, Do you have anything snide? You say when when people make that kind of that kind of mistake about a genre you're so invested in, it makes me think of movie High Fidelity. Oh no, you know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> when somebody came in the record store and would ask for some basic Brad kind of kind of thing. No, just I'd, the judgment. You don't you don't throw any of that shade at people who make those mistakes? No, because there was a time when I didn't know the difference probably. And so still, you know. but it, one of the few benefits of being a nerd is being able to throw that kind of, of shade. God, I don't like at doing the that. normals. I try not to do that. In fact, the only time I want to do that is is to educate, but I don't want to mansplain either, you know. So I also, you know, if someone seems actually interested in the fact that there are two different films then and that one of them is amazing, and one of them is crippling. Yeah, and you pick. <laughs> but I, I have like, a very, I, like I have a very complicated relationship with mansplaining, mm-hmm. in that I do it mm-hmm. like wholeheartedly. Right. I don't even attempt mm-hmm. to hold back, just because it's it's just one of the the few pleasures of being a man. Well, theory, theory though, it's because you're a father. I do get extra license so you, you because have, of the kids. Well, you yeah, you have this like inherited, uh, like inherited, I guess, like almost subconscious n- need. I thought to, you were going to say authority, but you went no, a different direction. Need to <laughs> to you have teach a pathological hole inside your soul. Yeah, that can yeah. only be filled by spraying uh, random bullshit, useless knowledge at your children. <laughs> No, that's not where I was going, but I see where you, you would take it. I'm just saying or that. Why I, you would I, take just, it but I understand that mansplaining is super annoying, mm-hmm. particularly to grown women. Yeah. Which yep. is really where the, the phrase can, you know comes from. Mm-hmm. But I just I just gave up on not doing it. Yeah. It just feels too good. 
Oh, Jonathan. <laughs> it does. It feels amazing. I understand why it's frustrating. Just releasing that stream of obscure knowledge that you have mm-hmm. on a topic the other person clearly can't give a shit about. Well, then then it goes into gatekeeping. It's almost like peeing. Like when you've really got to go. Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, when you've really got to go and you finally yeah. are just like, oh. Wow, you indulge in it then. <laughs> you indulge in it. And that, ladies Man. and gentlemen- is uh, we're getting way Jonathan up, on mansplaining. <laughs> oh man! All right, back to one of my favorite films. So this film, interestingly, came out just a year after, or I guess no, it was two years. Dang, after Halloween. Halloween was a huge success. People had never seen anything like it, quote unquote. Um, that was a little. That was a little shade. Well, I've just heard it so many times. It's almost like The Shining, and and yeah, you know. Other films that were like, well, I'm we have to touch. We have know? we have a very limited vocabulary for the genuinely amazing. I, I yeah, I guess so. That's a good that's a good way to put that. That was very smart. I what I just said. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to tweet that. Remind me to tweet that. I'll, I'll tweet. I'll let you tweet that. I don't. Yeah, I have Twitter. Humble brag. Not really. Can we cut that out? No, I like that. Damn it. <laughs> Jonathan is ruthless with you know editing. how long it you know no it's not that I'm ruthless it's just you know how long it takes me to do it yeah no time at all I so think. why would I <laughs> why would I why would I want to add to that workload yeah I know yeah no I've I've sat there with you I I actually enjoy the editing process it is very time consuming though and Jonathan is very good at it plus we have some software that helps it's all about the software it's all about the software I'm getting off grid again so yeah this came out right after Halloween which I'm throwing no shade at on that film at all, but we'll cover that some other time. It's just such a big hitter. I I don't know when. We'll cover under, it probably next and we Halloween. Should say, John Carpenter was under a lot of pressure with this one. Absolutely. People wanted, they expected another, you know, genre-breaking, uh, record-setting, budget-wise, or profit-wise hit. Mm-hmm. They did, and they wanted it fast. He had a two-movie deal with them. And he spent, I, I don't know, it was, it was under a million dollars making Halloween. And he spent a million dollars on this one. But he wanted something that was different than, I guess, what you would call a serial killer. Or even a monster. An ethereal monster, you know. He wanted something that was supernatural for this one. And in the first cut, he hated it. They, the, the one they sent to the studio at first, he hated but after some reshoots and stuff like most films get these days, and then cer- certain fans like to really get upset when that happens. What, that they're taking pains to make the movie better? Right, yeah. They're like, oh my god, you hear they're reshooting The Last Jedi? Oh, it's gonna be terrible. You know. They do that with other films, you know. Fans can be very ruthless. But, Well, although we have a very limited vocabulary uh, to describe the truly amazing, Mm -hmm. we have an endless vocabulary for shitting on things. Oh, yeah. It's just so much easier. Uh, it really is. It's fun, actually, to shit on things sometimes. What is that? Why Why is that um, such a human thing? I don't even know if... Some people... I guess that's an air of superiority, and I don't like that. But, I mean, humble Levi sitting here does not like the air of superiority that comes from yeah, it's not diminishing exa- something. No, else. but it's not exactly... It feels a little bit like like Schadenfreude, but less deserved. Explain. 
Well, I mean, there's just a similar sort of smugness to the feeling, to, to, to shitting on something, right? Well, what, give me an example of something you would... Because you're like declaring yourself superior in some way. Yeah, exactly. That's what I meant. Like, it, it's kind of distasteful to me. But something you dislike heavily, Jonathan, how would you describe it? And what is it? You mean just randomly? Uh, film, horror film. Oh, horror film-wise? Yeah. Stay on topic. Stay on target. I, I thought I was being given an open mic there for a second. No, I was, no, was going to go. I, I was going to go to some dark places. I know better than that. <laughs> in in the horror genre, I don't like torture porn. Yeah. I think it's the laziest, dumbest, most horrible. Like it's not scary. It's it just fills you with this horrible kind of nervousness because mm-hmm. you know so the next thing's got to be more horrible and to whatever person is being tortured than the thing that happened right before, right? Right. Like, it can only go one direction. Yes. Maybe that's the worst thing about torture porn, is that for all its efforts to shock you, it can never surprise you. Yeah, so I feel that... I'm tweet that. I feel, Damn, I'm on fire! <laughs> I feel that way when I watch the, the Saw films. With the exception of the first one. Yeah, yeah, the first one I saw in theaters, and I remember it being like an experience almost. You knew it was something that was bending the envelope a little bit. It but, was for me. It was very much both the original Saw and the Sixth Sense. Mm-hmm. They were great to watch once. Yeah, but I can't watch either of them again because they've only got one trick. Yeah. Well, it's it's almost like well, what's the prestige in the the sequels? Like, what? How are right. they just going to try to gross me out? The prestige. Yeah, Theater a little more. Nerd. Yeah. <laughs> just a film nerd. I I don't know. I. He, you know, James Wan, the Wanaverse, you know, he started with Saw, so he's contributed to horror exponentially, but, and so I can't really hate on the entire franchise, but I, I'm, it's just not for me. And you, you mentioned Hostel earlier, you know, that's not for me. No, it's not for me either. And that, oh, the Australian version, Wolf Creek. Yeah. I hated that movie so much that I thought about almost nothing else for four or five days after. Ouch. Yeah. Like, I was still ranting about it. Yeah. I I do that with, with good films. You do that with, with terrible <laughs> films. Like yeah, I yeah. said. <laughs> don't have enough words for good stuff. Uh, I can find some. If I, I got to sit here and think. And I don't want to do that right now. We've got a show to do, damn it. But you, so you went to your, your fancy dinner party. Yes. And you, you emceed this film. Right, we did The Fog and Fajitas. Nice. Yeah. Gotta be a food angle. Right. Always with, with your Mitchell. Little, your little bougie, Griffiths, your little bougie dinner parties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did, what did your audience, these people who had not seen this before, think? Well, Caleb, our, our guest on uh, previous episodes, loved it. Um, I don't know how Barb felt about it. She was kind of on her phone. <laughs> not usually not a great sign uh, someone's engaged. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I think I think Luke Luke really appreciated it too. It's Luke's got good taste in movies. Well I, I like the one advantage to having very few listeners is we can basically address them all by name right. during the show. Well the, the these people don't know who they are. I mean <laughs> if they are random listeners, which we love our random listeners and keep listening, please. Sometimes we have uh, uh, very good points. And yeah, we don't, others, we don't. Other times we don't. We don't hate on the randos here. No. So he he basically starts the film off with a bang, though, and this is what I tried to 
touch on it when I introed the movie, I guess I should say. What's the, is that, is it called MC'd? Is that what you said? <laughs> that was the best one I could come up yeah, with, yeah. but that's not exactly right. What's the guy on TCM? He's the a host? I don't know. Yeah. Man, I can't think of his name right now. Shame on me. But the beginning of the film to me is awesome. And one of the best uh, scenes in the, in the entire film, it's the prologue. And it really sets the tone for the whole film. But it was done in, in the reshoots. It was part of... Yeah, it's amazing to think that mm-hmm. that wasn't originally going to be a part it wasn't, of the movie. Because it just sets... It perfectly sets mm-hmm. your expectations for the kind of movie you're it's about to watch. It's so good. <laughs> it's, uh, they, they shot it one day with this uh, older gentleman, uh, theater actor, and... Who looks like a burnout Santa out of costume. Man, it's great. He does look like a sea captain, you know? One eye is like bigger than the other, and... But it's great, you know, he's got all these little kids on the beach, and he's just scaring the shit out of them. There are all those great shots of the little kids' faces. I like, know, it's so what good. What happens next in this story? It's, it's really potent, and... It's just one of my favorite scenes, I think, in like uh, cinema almost. John Houseman is the actor's name. Mr. Mack and Time for one more story. Yeah. Just to keep us warm. My God, it was a fire. <laughs> it was so good. So good. I absolutely love the film. But and, and it leads into a lot of character development. But what's special about this film is the the leading ladies. And for me in 1980, I think they did they did something that was kind of uh, different in a male-dominated genre. They took three amazing ladies in horror and put them together. Janet Lee's the freaking mayor of the town whose husband is missing suddenly. Well, she doesn't know what happened to him. Right, we, right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Jamie Lee Curtis is this strong, independent hitchhiker, although she ends up, like, sleeping with the hitchhiker, you know, the guy who picked her up. I just, like, I that love night. her so much. And then we have the, the disc jockey, who's kind of the hero. She's the heroine of the film, played by Adrian Barbeau. Her- I'm, sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah. Played by, you didn't say it right. Miss Adrian Barbeau. Oh, okay. Miss Adrian Barbeau, who was at the time John Carpenter's wife when Can they you shot this. Imagine what a picture the two of them would look like. It oh would look God. like the Crypt Keeper had abducted a swimsuit model. Right. <laughs> he did. He does. We've talked about this before. He looks like a fucking zombie to me. Nothing but respect for the man. No. Yeah. No. Absolutely. She's also in Creep Show, Escape from New York. She's in American Horror Stories recently, so yeah, she's actually really, really awesome in this film. She plays the heroine really well, and one like a one of those rare mom heroines. You know, she's not like a final girl teenage cheerleader. You know, um, it's really, it's really cool. I really liked that part of the script, and I just want her to know I'm willing to help raise that boy. I, I know you're going to... You'd be there. Yeah, you absolutely would. You'd wander into town after all of this. I'm here to clean up things. <laughs> I could help with the technical side of the radio station. Yeah. I just think we could be happy. Or you could just be the new priest. Because he gone... You know, I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. Because as I was watching this again last night, it occurred to me that I would be a really good priest. Yeah. No. I can see the caller right now. <laughs> I really. I, I, I mean, you don't think? No, I think you would. I think you would. I'm not talking about real life. I'm talking about on on screen. I mean, in on, real life. Well, oh, I no. mean, in both. Oh, why? 
Why, why did that come over you? I don't know. I was just like looking at, I was thinking of it from like a lifestyle perspective, mm-hmm. not belief. I, I, I was thinking of it just a job as a, as a, from a lifestyle perspective. You do love your wines. Jonathan. And it's like, you know? <laughs> it's like you just drink and smoke cigarettes and then, you know, you got your ceremonial duties, but it's not like you got to get up there and improv at a hot mic. It's all written down. Right, right. Have you have you watched Midnight Mass yet? I've not. God, I, I, it's on Talk the list. About being I gotta, a, I gotta. Talking about being a dirty priest. Because I'm, I'm afraid if I watch enough of these, I'm going to turn Catholic. Nah, don't do that. I don't know. It's kind of attractive <laughs> to me in some ways. Why? It's all that ritual. Mm-hmm. And unlike the Protestants, why so much horror deals with it? It's so unlike like, the unlike the Protestants who like and, tend to congregate in bomb shelter looking buildings. You know, the Catholics still have the sense of the aesthetic, mm-hmm. right? The aesthetic being a path to the holy. Yeah, I mean, well, the iconography. Yeah, you know, yeah. It you know, is. You draw huge. the eyes up, not into the you know strip mall carpet. So we have a character named Father Malone. Oh, you should get a let my, me being a priest drop. You don't talk about my prospects. No, what? <laughs> well, you brought up the priest. I was like, that's a good segue. We're going to talk about. We're going to talk about. Go ahead. Father, but you and me, Father I want to talk more. Alone. More between the two of us about why I think I'd be a good priest. <sighs> All right. <laughs> well, you know what the priests are famous for these days, Jonathan, and that's not no, something. None of that's that. Something no, to be I mean, for. I would I be good at it. I know. I am. I imagine that you would, as long as they still gave you your wine. Took away Those your guys wine. are drunk all the time. <laughs> Father Malone certainly is. Yeah, that's, yeah Father yeah. Malone is great. Played by Hal Holbrook. I think I'm saying that right. God, I feel terrible for not pronouncing that right. He's in Lincoln. He's in all the presidents. Man, he's, he's one of those. Show. He's, he's in, one of those Into actors that you, you that you don't notice mm-hmm. until until he's pointed out for a particular thing, and then you're right. like, oh, I've seen him in like a hundred different yeah. shows and movies. Yeah, he's in The Sopranos at one point. Yeah. He's been in a lot. He's a really good actor. He died January 23rd of this year. Oh, no. Rest in peace. Yeah. So, the late Hal Holbrook. Yeah. And, of course, we have a um, guy who's almost like a regular on the show. Tom Atkins is in the film. Man's baby. I'm telling you, he's just the cool. He you drives know they, an old, like, 30s They come Ford. out with a full head of silver hair. Oh, yeah. In a trench coat and a mm-hmm. pair of sunglasses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's ready to go. He plays a, a character named Nick Castle, which, no, Frank Castle is the Punisher. Sorry, Nick Castle. And uh, wow, it's, he's about as ridiculous as his name is. But what does he do? I don't think we ever really figure what, out what his job is. Barb kept asking, what does he do for a living? You know, what I, he does for a living is he drives around at night and he picks up hot hitchhikers. <laughs> And he impresses them with like his not trying, trying. Well, it's the well, it's probably the like old nineteen thirties Ford pickup truck. I mean, he's cool about it. Like he doesn't, he doesn't make a pass at him, you know. Right. And then all of a sudden, they switch to a scene, and and he's in bed with them, just like in this film. Look, it was different. I've been telling you that ours is a, a narcissistically sexless age, mm. despite all the you know porn. Yeah, right. But back then, people actually had sex, Levi. Mm hmm. 1980? Don't tell me that doesn't feel like 20 years ago. <laughs> it was 40. 41. Shut your mouth. Um, that can't be right. I can't be that old. <laughs> so, 
I lo- okay, so the beginning of the film obviously sets up the sets up the movie, and basically he tells the little kids that these fishermen were lured towards an island uh, or towards a coast on a foggy night by a bonfire that was established by the colony that was living there or the uh, settlement that was there. What, did he come clean about them being lepers or did he say they were fishermen? N- no. Oh, sorry. Did I say fishermen? Yeah. Oh, sorry. No, they but, were a colony of lepers. Yeah. 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 Ah, I did not mean to say that. Um, I think we find that out from the Because that makes it even more sad. Yeah, yeah it is. It is. Yeah. It, they're a colony of lepers trying to seek asylum on this settlement that was in the far west at the time. A hundred years ago to the and, day. And not even in the settlement. They wanted to be over adjacent to it. Yeah. Like a ways on an away. Island, basically. Yeah. They weren't yeah. gonna Yeah, they weren't asking to mess with anybody. And they were willing to pay. Yeah. And so they were told to go, you know, there would be a lighthouse on the island that they were gonna settle or get transportation to the island from that lighthouse. And the community lit a fire instead and saved their community essentially and they're the people who like set the fire and everything the like town hall basically are remembered as heroes for fathers yeah for saving the town and one of them the i guess the person who actually came up with the concept and the idea to do that was the priest at the time who is like the great great grandfather of Uh, the current priest father malone yeah so that's Wait, our backstory. If his 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 ancestor was a priest too, so yeah, Father Malone is the is the like great great grandson of the priest who came up with the idea to set the fire and and distract but the. But these are but Catholic priests aren't supposed to have any babies. God, maybe I am confused then. I thought he was like a descendant of him. No, he was definitely a descendant. Oh, okay. Well, that's why I said great-great-grandson or something like that. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> but, but I didn't remember if his great-great-grandfather was the priest or just somebody who left a journal. That's what it was. Was he the guy? I don't remember that either. That's a that's a detail we should have paid attention to. Well, no. Something else, though, that, that some of the criticisms of this movie is that the... And one of the things that was difficult to do, and I think one of the reasons they had to do those reshoots is... It's it's not a complicated story, but the way they reveal the details, mm-hmm. and like the way I mean, by which I mean the the way that like the townspeople start to understand like the nature of the problem, the haunting, all that. Yeah, that is pretty delicate. Yeah, and it's that that exposition scene and is it's done all, really well. It's all mood. Like you yeah. know, you've got we talked about how effective that opening scene was, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then and then you get a kind of slow burn. Yeah, it's character development, in, which I think uh, like um, uh, modern viewers would probably complain about some of them, right? Because you know you you got twenty minutes where it's all mood and some some sort of off putting spooky stuff happens, but nothing. Right. They had to add more spooks to it. After the spookies to it, after the reshoot or during reshoot, yeah. But yeah. if it, but if like if if the mood and the music and then the, just the slow, creepy visuals can't hold you for like that twenty minutes, then I don't think you can enjoy this movie. Right. Also, I think if you if, if you lose if you're if yeah, I also you, think if it can't hold you, there's something wrong with you, and you should like relearn how to like use that thing called attention. Well, because it's not a long film. It's, no, it's let's see. 
The runtime is an hour and 29 minutes. It's less than an hour and a half. I mean, it's not much longer than St. Maud and St. Maud's, you know, hour 22, and it feels like nothing to me. Well, I let my now four-year-old Simone mm-hmm. watch just the opening. Oh, cool. You know, that story where- Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a little bit after. And she, what was funny or striking to me was she, it was immediately like, she just said it to no one in particular. This is a scary movie. Uh-huh. <laughs> not like I'm scared, but yeah, yeah, yeah. this is a scary movie. Yeah, like, yeah. Obviously. Oh, no, it's great. But, yeah. what's, but what's amazing <sighs> about that is nothing happens. Right. And for a Nothing while. Nothing happens. Yeah. Like, there's no monster at that, at the part that she saw. There's no, it was just the, just the atmosphere, the combination yeah. of the music and mm-hmm. the pacing and the imagery. I think that's why. Which I, is fucking alchemy, man. It is. And I think that's why I loved it so much. I didn't expect that first scene to be so perfect. And then the ending to be so perfect. It's, oh, it's your kind of, it's your um, perfect yeah. kind of ending. You is. thought everything was okay? Yeah, fuck yeah, you. yeah. Fuck <laughs> you. Oh, I love it. Jonathan. <laughs> if Man. people can see the look in your eyes I know. Right I, now, it's they, just they like worry. the salt on the, on, uh, on the fucking dinner plate, man. It's just delicious and awesome. I love it. It's the extra seasoning. God, you need it. Special sauce. I need it. So... Janet Lee runs this town of fucking hypocrites and, and appa- terrible people. Yeah, and apparently pretty well. <laughs> Descendants. I of mean before people. before the go you know, the ghosts come yeah, to just right. just mess everything up. She it looked like things oh, yeah, were going no. pretty well. They're doing great. But they got their own radio station. Right. Hosted by the most beautiful woman in North America. Right. right. She plays jazz music and I fucking love that. Oh, those Yeah. I but, want that radio station uh-huh. to be real. Yeah, I know. I, I want that to be a YouTube channel. Yeah. I want to listen to 1980 Adrian Barbeau host late night jazz give me that that low vocal fry I into the microphone cigarettes. yes yeah. <laughs> those, that cigarette voice yeah she has while, that red phone while playing it. slow jazz right it is it is awesome I will pay money it's a hell of a character she's a hell of a character Caleb was very concerned I think Caleb was a little smitten by this character as well very concerned for her safety while watching the film but it it moves along like you were like we were saying at a slower pace, uh, but essentially what's happening is a hundred years to the day, a, a great fog rolls in, and within the fog is the like trapped corpses or spirits even both of angry spirits, the leper they're, they're colony. So, like they, at one point they're material, at mm-hmm. another point they're not. They just yeah. sort of appear and disappear. But yeah, right. like the rotted corpses yeah. of that leper colony that yeah. was betrayed and drowned. And so, essentially, it's a revenge tale. Yeah. You know, the movie opens with an Edgar Allan uh, Poe quote, and and that's essentially because of it being a revenge tale. It's Don't you think revenge, like, doesn't get enough credit in the modern day? You know, we're always, we're big yeah, on, like, I, but, you know, forgiveness and... But it's, it's, it's a theme in a lot of films, man. I like, just mean, I just think revenge is sometimes, like, necessary. I think revenge is sometimes psychologically healing. I don't, and that's not, and that's the, the the modern take on it though is that every you've seen it in so many movies, Jonathan. You're never gonna get revenge if you kill this person, or you're never gonna you get are. you're never gonna get relief or no, my favorite acceptance, is, or it's not gonna bring him back. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was. No, I guess but it probably will make me feel a little better. <laughs> yeah, I've I guess I've thought I've thought that way before, uh, where I was essentially thinking oh no i would absolutely feel better if i got revenge or whatever but 
I don't know, man. I don't know. Peace, peace, love. You know? I understand why civilization needs there to be severe restrictions on such behavior. Right. I totally get it. I just think, I don't know. Things were different a long time ago. I don't want something like the purge, but I just feel like there should be certain conditions or situations in which you, you let the dogs out of the cage for a minute. Well, you, you always can, Jonathan, but there are consequences. No, but I mean, it needs to be built into the system. It needs to be yeah. like a... Oh, like the a, justice system is just... <laughs> like a scheduled, you know, Jeez. pressure release. Yeah. Okay. You got... You got, you got, you got I, will, I, will be, uh, I will be announcing my political campaign very shortly, so please stay tuned to this channel. Oh, oh, vote for Wolfman. Didn't... Did, Wolfman was on the show last uh, last week. Yeah. And so, yeah, we got to... Yeah, vote for Wolfman this year, coming election. Essentially, though, the in the in the film, the spirits have to like go back from whence they came at sun. Is it sunrise or one o'clock in the morning? They get like an hour. They get an hour, midnight. The witching to one. hour, yeah, yeah, five to midnight. And so, yeah, which they call the witching hour. The witching hour, I thought was three a.m. It is. So what the hell, John Carpenter? No, Adrienne Barbo gets to say whatever she wants to say. Okay, but whatever she wants <laughs> How dare to me. talk yeah. about, it's just. <laughs> Just the rules. And so he, so I watched the behind the scenes also. There's a behind the scenes film to this. And he also quotes here, get the bell ready. Lovecraft is being <laughs> a, uh, yeah, <laughs> as being a major contribution to this film, essentially because there's this like power that we don't understand that's, that's come back to gain its revenge or its old power or whatever. And it, I don't know. This film, so, yeah. I, God, even before I watched that documentary that kind of explained uh, more about what the film was trying to say, I loved the film. But why is it one of your favorites? That's a fairly good question. Other than what we've already, the the atmosphere and the, and the Adrian Barbeau. It's all of that. I, yeah, I guess overall, like, it just captured me. It was one of those, you know, where you... There's some movies that do something so right at the beginning mm -hmm. that you're going to give them as much rope as they want. Yeah. Or a lot, anyway. Yeah. Right? Right. And so, as, as unstudied as this sounds, it was just one of those movies where, you know, the five minutes in... You judged a book by its cover yeah, and it paid like, off. I'm, I'm not yeah, going yeah. anywhere. I'm watching yeah. this one. Man, I felt that way. I was very happy to watch it in October when I found it, too. God, it's a good October movie. Oh, Damn. <laughs> Halloween feels. I know. Just it's all so over so good. It. As Even my though son it would takes... say vibes. Halloween yeah. vibes. Although it only takes... They be vibing. They're, they're vibing, yeah. It it takes place in April, though, which I found what kind of shitty. <laughs> I was like, uh, I, I don't like April, Jonathan. April's like one of my least favorite months, mainly because of allergies and tornadoes. It's on the coast, though, so it's basically fall. Yeah, that's true. It's on the West Coast, which I found interesting. They actually shot... Was it wasn't um, it implied that it was on the East Coast though? No, they God, I think there's like California plates in the film. Oh, I remember the name of the town, Antonio Bay. Yeah, yeah. It's But I didn't remember the state being said. Where they shot it is actually the second foggiest point in America, the second being Nantucket, where Jaws was shot. So I think that's why that lighthouse also was picked directly because it didn't look as like phallic as other ones did. Along, you know, most that coasts. was an objection. Well, no, they just wanted it to look. I don't know if you look at the 
if you look at the lighthouse, you have to go down and into it almost. And the the point doesn't just stick straight up like some phallic symbol like most of them do. But I don't think maybe it was intended because it feels more homey because Adrian Barbeau actually like lives there. I think the character does. No, I don't think she lives there. I gotta say, I, don't know. I just some, remember seeing I'm getting it. some really weird Freudian vibes off of you right now. Well, I just remember I remember seeing that on the the documentary where Deborah Hill, the production producer, actually did keep that had that as a conscious choice for Adrian Barbeau's character. But also conveniently it's the second I just point. Imagine like her having production notes. No dicks in my movie. Right. <laughs> There's uh three hundred and sixty-five steps down to the lighthouse. Which is interesting for every day of the year. I gotta be honest, man. I just gave you like fifty nerd points. Oh, thank that you. you knew the steps. Yeah, that's what. That's I, amazing. I didn't. I just found that out through them. I'm like, I just researched, I guess. And the set, like crew, fucking hated it. They hated making the movie. No, they hated the fucking lighthouse because oh, they had the to stairs? climb down fucking three hundred sixty-five steps and back up every time they had to earn go your money. Them. Yeah. Get your money. Talent coming through. Talent coming through. No, but yeah, when they when they sent the film in, it was not received well. And Carpenter said he hated it. And he went on vacation. And then when he got back, they were like, yeah, we've got a problem. You need to like reshoot. And like now. They finished reshooting a week before release. Which is pretty interesting. They added a lot. So... All the all the shots of like close up violence, basically, like a knife going into the shoulder or a scythe coming down or whatever, was shot in post. The beginning was shot in post. So all the like direct violence, yeah, was in post. Um, one of the jump scares was added in post. Well, one thing about because it's what the studio the studio was like. This I didn't know that, but it's interesting to think about the fact that the movie shifts tone. Mm-hmm. pretty hard man you can tell too it's it's very i love it you can tell when the no, third act starts it's you like know, you know yeah. the build-up build-ups need to pay off yeah the last 25 minutes of this movie are awesome yeah I, think. I don't know where this came from but i called it the jurassic park of horror movies when i <laughs> when i hosted it i guess it's because of that it's an entourage you know and there it feels like an adventure towards the end almost escaping these cloud of fucking zombies with uh, sea weapons, hooks, and and such. But it just, I don't know, it feels very, it's just fun, almost. Which I don't expect in most horror movies, you know. I no, don't know it why. does, but it pulls off that that tone where it's scary. Yeah. But you're having a good time. Right. It's, it's you know, you're... You're not squirming in your seat, exactly. Right? No, it doesn't make you uncomfortable, you know. Hardly ever, I don't think. There is that, that dude that keeps calling Adrienne Barbeau. He's kind of a creep. The guy. Giving her the, the weather. Man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, look. Was what he being character. creepy or was he being persistent? <laughs> I, uh, yeah. Where's the line, Levi? Well, that depends on if she's attracted to her or not, or to him, Jonathan. So if she's attracted to him. I wasn't getting the vibe. She's not. She she's persistent. Yeah. Or he's persistent. No, I mean she wasn't telling him to fuck off exactly, but she was no, she was playing with she him. Was, she she had fun with toying him. with him a little bit, yeah, while rebuffing his. Their scenes are funny. His me. many advances, yeah. Uh, but look, what's the guy gonna do? He, he's a weatherman, like on the night shift. Yeah, he's 
What fog bank? She's the only other lady awake in town. Uh-huh. Yeah. And he, there's that classic scene where she's, she does the nice show. She's calling him in and she's like, stay away from the fog. Stay away from what the fog. What does Dan do? And he's like, what? how funny. You know, Kids hilarious. are playing a prank and they're yeah. not going to like finding me home. I yeah. guess he thought that would impress her. And then, of course, he goes out there and immediately gets murdered. Oh, my God. <laughs> classic. So we find out that the the zombie uh, leper cult or leper colony, leper cult. The zombie leper colony wants something, and they think it's the gold that is hidden under the church where Father Malone is. And we know this because of the journal, right? That Father, ex- Father Malone, it, like we mentioned, that at the beginning of the movie, and yeah. he, he finds this journal left by one of his ancestors. That seems really good. And everything that they did, because mm-hmm. you know you want to leave a written confession behind, always. <laughs> Oh, especially uh, if you're Catholic, you got to get that off. Your I guess Catholic that's true, guilt, baby. You know? See that? Yeah, I like that part. Of yeah, it. yeah. You write it down, and everything's all right, Jonathan. Well, you tend to do that anyway, right? I used to. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe I'm getting back into it. Yeah, we're doing it through this. <laughs> this is our escape. You should see me looking at Jonathan like, oh God. <laughs> well, there's no point in having a garage band anymore. You, I know. You can't go. We have a garage. Can't go podcast. play. <laughs> Anyway, getting off topic again. So they get the gold cross, which is awesome. Isn't that idolatry? I don't yeah, I'm yeah. misinterpreting the meaning of idolatry. I think it is. You know, you you make a you make a cross out of a dead leper colony's it's gold. gold. <laughs> is that is that supposed uh, to make it better? A, no, if you like, make the God, cross, we the, made you a cross. Make, yeah, if you make the cross, the <laughs> people will the come. Lepers. The people will come, and that's what God wants. So you do whatever you have to to get the people to come and. There it is. It is pretty cool, though, at the end, because, you know, that gold cross. Glow. Father Malone tries to take the hero's exit. He tries to just, you know, take responsibility for his ancestors and save everybody else in the town. Right. So he goes out there into the fog Mm -hmm. where all the fog zombies are. Yep. And he holds up that big, that big cross. And then one of the zombies, I guess the lead zombie, like, grabs it and, like, put like force lightnings it yeah it's awesome and makes it like glow red hot. yeah yeah so cool yeah and but he has red eyes too and yeah. not not many of them have red eyes that was weird to me well that's how you know he's in charge glowing red eyes yeah it's a pretty effective uh look i really like it man the whole look of this film's awesome but yeah it's essentially, alone. essentially <laughs> our hitchhiker guy castle uh mr castle saves the priest from uh, the glowing cross and the zombies disappear and everybody's happy and life's going to go on and the sleepy little you town think. and then Tom Atkins is going to get to keep hooking up with Jamie Lee Curtis right, cuz right. he saved her life like 12 times at this point right right although she holds her own at some point no I'm, you know, she's, she's like, Jamie yeah, Lee Curtis she, she's you know. fighting too yeah Essentially, in the last five seconds of the film, the zombies come back and murder the priest. And so they didn't want the gold. After all, they wanted their revenge on the bloodline that uh, essentially came up with a plot to destroy them. Which, I love that. That that last five seconds, that shot where it just ends on the oh, yeah, flash it. and it's like the fog. Yeah, it's so good. Come back to the theme music. <laughs> man, man, if you have to, just watch the first five minutes and the last 20 you, seconds. You want to watch the whole thing. <laughs> it's true, though, but I do, it is amazing. It does bother me that there's no gratuitous nudity in this film. No. 
Why does that bother you? I just, I didn't need a lot. I just, <laughs> these are, these are r- like real actresses <laughs> with real talent. Levi, I have needs. Well, I understand that, but in the eighties, and I, and I get that there were probably, you know, the, a push for that in the eighties. There was probably a push for that, being the executives around at the time with their cocaine and their Lamborghinis. But, Man, but that was when we peaked. It's just downhill. <laughs> but I think the budget was not good enough. Well, no, probably. no. Look, <laughs> you don't need it. I'm, I'm joking a little <laughs> bit. Know. The, the, the absence of it is one of the things that like identifies this as the kind of movie it's trying to be. Right. You know, it's trying to be a like it's a ghost story, but it's right. a serious kind of somber mm-hmm. ghost story. And if you threw gratuitous nudity in there, it just wouldn't. It wouldn't fit the tone. Thank you. As much as that breaks Thank my you. heart, I know. Thank it, you. It just wouldn't fit the tone. Atmosphere and tone are very important. One other thing, though, this being a John Carpenter movie, mm-hmm. this isn't exactly a criticism, just something I noticed, is that I don't, as many times as I've seen this, like, I, I don't pull any one-liners out of it. No? Yeah. God, what's you know, her, like, Trouble call in Little sign. China, or They Live, or even Halloween, you could probably pull a couple of one-liners out of. Yeah. The crazy old, you know, psychiatrist guy. But, but from this movie, I just, I don't think of any offhand. Ah. Uh. Yeah, I don't really either. I'm trying to see if there is one. I'm I'm looking. But and I was I was thinking maybe Stevie Wayne, Adrian Barbeau's character would have one. You're just a voice on the phone. <laughs> Sorry, Dan, my idea of perfection is a voice on the phone. <laughs> I mean, there's clever stuff in there. Like it's yeah. there's engaging dialogue, but there aren't any I just don't think of any like one-liners that that mm-hmm. stand out. Let's see. Yeah, no, there's really not. And Tom Atkins Nick is in a lot of scenes, but... There's something in the fog. <laughs> he doesn't have a lot of dialogue. I mean, some. But nothing like Night of the Creeps. I mean, that was... No, that's it's on the That poster. was where Mr. Tom Atkins was, was utilized to his fullest. Evidence of deep penetrating wounds into each ocular orbit entering the cranial cavity. <laughs> oh, from the autopsy? Yeah. <laughs> Also, jagged lacerations to the face. <laughs> Sounds like Billy Bob's uh, Roundup or Score Box or whatever he calls it. Jonathan and I have been recently revisiting uh, Driving Speaker Box with Joe Bob Briggs. Joe Bob Briggs is a national treasure. He really is. I don't know if he's gotten the Presidential Medal for the Arts, but he should. He should. And he's, he's done, he recently, he's got a new series out. It's on Shutter And... It's called, I guess, The Last Drive-In. Did we talk about this last episode? I don't think so. No, I don't think we did either. But it's it's something I've been revisiting. Of course, it's October, so I'm going to do that. Some of these films I probably would not have watched had it not been on his show, so it's good for that. But yeah, I'm revisiting it. It's it's wonderful. Well, he's just an like encyclopedia. It. Yeah, he's a nerd like us. Uh, he's way movies more. And, yeah. Like genre movies in general. Mm. He's seen everything. Yeah. I feel that way. <laughs> there are some movies I've never even heard of on there. I didn't know Prom Night had a sequel or even needed one. Well, but, those are two different things. Yeah. Having a sequel and needing one. Yeah. Man, there's a lot of 80s film, 80s, ugh, 80s horror films that had sequels. This is not one of them. The Fog no. did not have a sequel, no. which I'm I'm happy. I'm glad. Oh, yeah. How it's one of the that? rare ones. Well, it's rare. I mean, sure, they would come up with something oh, uh, yeah, else. Yeah, they'd come up with some kind of bullshit thing, but... The, the father the, the father priest had a, a secret a, an son. An illegitimate yeah, child. Yeah, yeah. 
Oh, what if it was Adrian Barbeau's son? She's yeah. a single mom. Yeah. Oh, but it's in Manhattan this time. Then you get that like Scarlet Letter vibe. Oh God, <laughs> man, they could rip it apart. It would have sold in the eighties. I'm surprised this didn't happen. 